Hey, this is Lizelle. And I'm Krista. And you're listening to Women Who Startup Radio. Today we're talking with Amelia Rose Earhart. My name is Amelia Rose Earhart, and I'm a pilot, I am an adventurer, I am an aviatrix, which is a female aviator. I work in television, so I'm a morning show reporter. I cover traffic and breaking news. And I'm also the president of the Fly with Amelia Foundation, which puts young women 16 to 18 through flight school. Oh my God, I saw her on the news yesterday. I did, I went to the gym at 5.30 in the morning, they were playing traffic and I was like, is Amelia on there? And then I talked to her and I'm like, I just wanna be your friend, like please be friends with me. Can I have your phone number and can I text you sometimes? Like, cause I really wanna hang out with you. She's smart and just funny and down to earth and says it like it is and kind of has a zone of focus, which is like, you know, life is short. I'm going to give it everything I got, and I'm going to take everything I think I deserve, and I'm going to help those around me, and I'm going to have fun doing it. When Lizelle asked me to be on the show, I was kind of like, oh, I'm not really like a woman who starts up. And I thought, wait a minute. Yes, I am. Uh-huh. I start up all the time. Uh-huh. I start you up. start some shit. I start, yeah. I like I- Grew up in Southern California out in the high desert. So, Victorville, not the nicest part of the world. Victorville? I've never even heard of this place. Dirt roads, tumbleweeds, lots of playing outside, building forts, motorcycles. Since day one, she made the best out of it by being imaginative and being an explorer and being an adventurer. You can just see that it's ingrained in her personality. We came up with this fantastic idea. There were three bushes. That They were like in this perfect little configuration. So we took tumbleweeds and sticks and rocks and all this, and we made this massive structure that was literally the size of this room that we're in right now. And we moved into it for the summer. We like built fires in it. My grandma would come and hang out with us in that fort. She'd bring her lawn chair, she'd crochet, she'd read a book, she'd hang out with us. When it started getting colder outside, grandma, Aggie, she describes herself as five foot two with eyes of blue. My grandma went out there, she lit the thing on fire because it wasn't safe for us to play in anymore. She just let it burn out. She just watched it standing there with her hose. I mean, that's, that's the kind of woman that I grew up with. And how cool is that? How do you build an identity when you're tied to someone else? I get asked almost every day, why would your parents name you Amelia Earhart? Her mom had always wanted a daughter named Amy, and her dad's last name was Earhart. And so she said, this is perfect. We'll just name her Amelia Earhart, and she can go by Amy if she wants to. And uh, so they named me Amelia Rose Earhart. Different from the original Amelia, because her middle name was Mary. And so there was always like this interesting dangling of the original Amelia Earhart during her upbringing. That was strange for her. There's a lot of implication around being named after anybody famous, let alone a woman who disappeared over the South Pacific in the 1930s, you know, who was changing the course of women's history. She always felt like she was living up to this profound figure. She felt like when people heard that her name was Amelia Earhart, that they had high expectations of her, and she felt like if she did something wrong, it would reflect poorly on the original Amelia Earhart. It really didn't mean much when I was at home, but anytime I would be around an adult, so say if I would, you know, be at the grocery store with my mom and she would run into somebody that she knew, they would look at me like, hey, Amelia Earhart, how you doing? It wasn't just like, hey, Susie, 
You know, there was there was something more to it. And so I noticed that adults started paying a lot more attention to me. And my teachers would make a huge deal out of studying Amelia Earhart in class. And it was, we're going to talk about your ancestor. And I remember thinking, oh my God, everyone's looking at me. It was a heavy cloud all of her life. There was an expectation put on her by the people around her that said, hey, like your name is Amelia Earhart. Like you have something to live up to. And the older I got, I realized that having this name really meant that every single conversation started about or started with talking about somebody else. And that was a hard one to handle because I wanted to, to just like any other kid, I wanted to talk about me. We all have sort of our own legacy to live up to. Oftentimes, it's from a family member. You know, your dad did uh, a certain thing in his career, or he went to a certain school, and you've always been raised thinking, "I need to do this." Right? It's a, it's an obligation. It's there's a little bit of pride in it. You want to make your parent, your fam family happy. I get asked almost every day, "Why would your parents choose this name?" Number one is, "Are you related?" Okay, second question is, well, do you want to be a pilot? And the third question is, could you ever fly around the world? And even as a little kid, I remember thinking, well, gosh, maybe I do have to be a pilot. You know, if my parents gave me this name, maybe that's what that means. And so that's where that first weight of feeling like I should do something, my first should came in second grade. It's important to understand that at 10 years old, her biggest dream was not necessarily to become a pilot. My mom and dad, they never did. They never once said, you should fly, you could fly. They never took me really to air shows or to airports or had me meet pilots. And I always thought that was weird growing up. And now at 33, I realize that that's probably the best thing they could have done because if they would have said, you should do this, I probably would have ran from it in every way possible. I had these inside my head dreams of growing up and being a lawyer. And I don't, the only, the only thing I can attribute that to at this point in my life is that we didn't have any money growing up, and so I wanted a career that I thought would make me a lot of money. We'd like to thank Habitat for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. My name is Brad Todd. I'm the founder and designer of Habitat. It's hard to describe the design process because there's so many different ways to describe it. And if you take 10 designers and lay out their design process or shadow them for a day of designing, you'll see 10 completely different processes. And you'll see bits and pieces uniform and the same from process to process. But it's very intellectual and it's, it's all about your brain and how you process through creative problem solving and different brains get there in different ways. We'd like to thank Habitat for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more about Habitat at Hello Habitat. My mom got remarried and, and one of her stops was in Kansas. And so I moved to Kansas when I was in high school. And uh, actually, I've never talked about this in a, a show before, but I, I do want to tell the real story, which was basically this man that my mom was, was married to um, pulled me aside and said, I'm not in love with your mother anymore. I'm in love with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I called up my dad and I said, hey, this happened. And he said, Pack a backpack, pair of jeans, pair of shoes. Do not tell anyone that you called me. I will be there in two days. So her dad picks her up, takes her to Colorado, and she starts all over again. I knew I wanted to go to college like everybody else. I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do pre-law. Um, I ended up transferring to 
um, <laughs> Colorado and, and having to take some time off school because when I fought back over that, my stepfather took away my ability to let my hard work pay off. All the scholarship money that I had earned, which I think I had at 19, I had like $15,000 in the bank, which was a ton of money at the time. Cleared that bank account out, took my car back, you know, and so I've always felt like the things that I'm doing in my career, my education, my flight training, you know, it's a little bit of that screw you. So the moment she landed in Colorado and had a clean slate to start her life as a very young person, she took on odd jobs, she did whatever she could. Luckily, my dad gave me an old truck of his to borrow for a couple of years, and I lived in Pagosa Springs, and I saved up money so I could go back to school. So I went to CSU, I went to CU Boulder, um, I studied English Lit. Until she gets this gig at a radio station. The first career opportunity was KOA. And my boss, who uh, was this wonderful woman, Kathy Walker, she's still the news director there. When I was cocktailing at a, a restaurant, she plucked me and said, you might be good on, on radio. We should put you on the air. Here's this woman. She's young, she's beautiful, she's talented, and she's got this name. I've been in the TV world really lucky because most people have to start in, you know, somewhere backwoods in Idaho. No offense to Idaho because it's beautiful, but it's not a great TV market, right? Well, as Amelia Earhart, and I'm so glad to say this, I'm not rubbing in anybody's face, but I didn't have to do that, right? And that's one of those things where you've got to believe that sometimes we all deserve breaks in life. I get the job at KOA. I'm working um, overnights, middle of, you know, no one's listening, basically. And they've got me talking about traffic on I-70 going up to the mountains to give me practice. Well, then the position in the helicopter opened up at KOA. Her boss says to her, pretty soon there's going to be a job opportunity that opens up. You can ride in the chopper. You can do traffic reporting. I think you'd be a good fit. And she totally doubted herself. You know what I said to her? Like, this is how we are raised as women. I said, this is to my boss. I go, yeah, I don't really think I'd, I'd get it. I don't, I don't think I would get that position. You know, she just, she did what so many of us do, which is read the job description, and we're like, okay, I got this, maybe this, but only 20% this and 0% oh, can't do it. She was like, apply for the job. <laughs> Here, this woman who is a true leader, she's one of my longest mentors, is saying to me, the position is open, apply for the job. And I can't even hear that she's telling me, I'm giving you an opportunity here, so take it. So, of course, I eventually apply. Well, someone kicked her in the ass, and then she did it, which sometimes that's what you need. I think we all fucking need that. Yeah. And some of us aren't as lucky to have the kick in the ass. you got to kick yourself in the ass. Do you want me to kick you a bit? <laughs> <laughs> Lovingly, <laughs> So this part of the story goes in this swing of being completely under this, this cloud of... Amelia Earhart, right? Not a bad cloud, just you're, you're constantly aware that it's there, right? It's a shadow um, that other people see because it's over you and you feel it at all times and like you can't run away from it, right? It's your name. And I didn't want to change my name. I didn't want to go by Amy. You know, I did for a long time in my childhood just because it was easier, but everyone knew my name was Amelia Earhart. It was a heavy cloud all of her life until eventually she goes at 21 Fuck it, what if I fly?
very first flight lesson. I had to figure out how to pay for it, how to walk out there by myself as a 21-year-old woman to an airport that was just a bunch of old dudes sitting around. And one of them actually laughed at me when I told him what my name was. And I'm looking at this guy like, I didn't pick my name, but I'm picking to be here and get involved in your industry. And those are the types of attitudes that keep women out. So I get all checked out and signed in and whatever. And, they, and she says, okay, this is your flight instructor. And it was one of those men. Hmm. And we walk out to the plane. It's this dirty, old little brown Cessna 172. It's just a total piece of crap. And I get in the plane and I'm looking at this like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This isn't fun. It's, it smells bad in here. This man is grouchy, grumpy. And um, we start taxiing down and he's very vaguely explaining what we're doing. And he says, all right, you're going to do the takeoff. And we're, we're trucking along and you push, push the throttle in and you can hear it getting louder and it's like bumping around and it's very rickety. And all of a sudden you can feel that the, the lift of the air under the wings is starting to lift us off the ground. And I get like, I get goosebumps. You can see, see them right now telling the story. The moment we took off and actually had that physical separation from the ground, he wasn't there anymore. And I'm not taking away his, you know, whatever. He was keeping me safe. I get it. He was flying the plane. But for the first time, I had that sense of separation from what was on the ground, and I know you get where I'm going with this, and what was in the air. And then suddenly I was in the air. And everybody else who has said, you should do this, you should do this, you have to do this, they were back on the ground doing their own thing. I didn't care what that was. I only cared what I was doing. And the fact that I could see, you know, all the way to Denver, I could see the flat irons, I could see, I can picture that in my head right now, the glider planes that fly out of the Boulder Municipal Airport, you've got, you know, people hiking up Mount Sinitas in the background, this incredible view, and all of a sudden, for the first time, I finally had perspective. She goes, whoa, the weight of the world just got lifted when I took flight. Uh, holy shit! <laughs> right? <laughs> I've been in one of those glider planes out of yeah. the Boulder Municipal, and like the only thing I felt was like car sickness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> so I, and I actually worked at eight, you know, KOA, Nine News, then LA, then back to Nine News. Because I took that first flight lesson, that led to working in the news helicopter as a reporter, and I was running the camera, the big HD, like, uh, mounted Cineflex camera on the front of the chopper. She takes this opportunity in L.A. and starts working in an environment where she's making a lot of money. It was this total dream job. I mean, I was driving an Audi convertible. I was living in North Hollywood in this penthouse apartment, and I had no friends, and I couldn't connect with anyone, so all I did was fly. Yeah, so I'm working this job and it's really hard, but I'm making money and I'm kind of lonely, so I'm gonna learn to fly. Cause like that's the first thing that comes to mind. Sometimes isolation is this really interesting opportunity for you to go deep into an accomplishment, a goal, an objective. When she was in LA, she finally had the time and the resources to just like kind of churn through the rest of what she needed. And I actually finished and that was God, that was a good feeling, you know, but it, it took this stroke of, of luck for me to take this job to be able to afford to finish it. It is so difficult, and that's why you meet so many people who say, oh, yeah, I took flight lessons. 
You don't meet a lot of people who say, I'm a pilot. We'd like to thank PWI for being a Women Who Startup sponsor. Kristen Morgan is the co-founder and CEO of P2B Investor. Factoring is a financial practice of taking that invoice and selling it to someone in exchange for cash today. It's a super old school business and we said we can make it better. X Factor is so named because you are going to break up with your factoring company when you discover X Factor, this awesome line of credit that takes that same principle and just makes it a lot easier. We'd like to thank PDBI for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more about Krista's company at pdbi.com. In 2014, I flew a single engine airplane 28,000 miles through 14 countries all the way around the world. Sometimes the longest way around is the shortest way home. Amelia had been asked a lot if she was a pilot, and if she was planning to fly around the world. None of them actually thought I could. You know, you don't really think that the quiet girl who got the lucky break in TV is actually going to quit her job at NBC and go fly a plane. So I thought, well, what if I did this? Like, what if I did it? Very secretly, at home, she starts to map out what course she would take to fly around the world. Okay, where would I go? What route would I take? What airplane would I fly? Who would I go with? If I'm gonna do it, I wanna make it as similar to Amelia's flight as possible. Not because I wanna recreate her flight, literally, because I wanna honor the difficulty of her trip. So I start planning this route at home and I look and I say, okay, well I can match these stops on Amelia's flight. I wanted to go around the equator because that's the widest point of the earth, obviously. It would be approximately the same amount of miles. I would need uh, certain aircraft, certain fuel requirements, etc. Amelia understands that she's going to have to raise some serious money from sponsors and also find a plane that is sponsored because it takes money to fly a plane around the world safely and awesomely. Amelia flew the Pilatus PC-12, manufactured by Pilatus Aircraft of Switzerland. They're based in Switzerland and Broomfield. Conveniently enough, in Broomfield, Colorado, what are the odds? I walked in, I said to uh, their marketing guy, Tom, one of my best friends, you know, through the flight around the world, such a cool guy. First time I met him, he was like, yeah, no, no, no. You are not taking our plane, you don't have enough hours, no. So I came back again. So when somebody pokes a hole in your plan, you go back through and you dig into those holes and you find five or 10 reasons why you've got it covered, right? Then you come back and the reasons why they can say no keep getting smaller and smaller. And that's what I did with Tom. I kept drilling him down and he finally took it as a proposal to the team in Switzerland, presented in front of their board and they miraculously said yes. So suddenly I was the girl who was planning the flight around the world and it took on this personality of its own. People started doing stories about it. And this audience started growing and saying, we believe in you, you can do this. And then the trip fell apart. Up until now, Amelia had always felt very confident saying, yes, she and the original Amelia Earhart were related. As a little kid, I was always told that I was related to Amelia. And so I kind of grew up thinking, okay, we've got this 
this bloodline to this famous person. And when I was in college, I got a lot of questions about my name. And so I hired a genealogist. I paid 500 bucks. I said, help me figure this out. So we got my grandma to get birth and death certificates. She did all this research for me. And they said, yup, related. But in order to get the real records, we'd have to spend like three grand going to Europe. I said, a distant common ancestry traced back to the 1700s to me sounds legit. I mean, this was, you look at the facts and you're like, there's no way that they could be wrong. So I got a call from New York, uh, the Today Show wanted to have me on. And so on the Today Show, I give my usual answer. I said, distant common ancestry, traced back to the 1700s. Natalie goes, cool, that's awesome. Tell me about the route. Where are you going to go? Tell me about the foundation. This is amazing. We totally support you. This is great. I am on top of the world. We end the show. Um, I get back on the airplane that same day. I fly back home to Denver. And when I land, it's like heart-stopping news. You have got to get to the TV station right away. They said, we are led to believe by someone on our staff who said on air, we don't think Amelia is actually related to the first Amelia. This is somebody who is an amateur genealogist who researched her family history and believes that you're wrong. Two weeks later, I'm pulling into my garage. My phone rings. I stop the car. The garage door closes behind me. And I answer the phone. I'm so like, I'm like, yes, this is going to be good. I can feel it. I'm like pumped up again. And the guy says to me, he says, Amelia, um, I am so sorry to tell you this but you have absolutely no blood relation to the first Amelia Earhart. Now, Amelia finds out she is not, in fact, related to the original Amelia Earhart. And I think as much as for a lot of her life she was trying to create separation between her and Amelia Earhart, all of a sudden, I think she finds herself being sad. I just sit there in silence, you know, because for 31 years of my life, my whole life has been built around this identity of being connected to one person. So I go on live TV. No, it actually wasn't live. It was recorded just in case I messed it up. They set me on a stool in the middle of the newsroom. And I said, my name's Amelia Earhart, and I am in no way related to the first Amelia. She does assume that all her sponsors will back out, and her life is about to fucking fall apart. And I called all 21 of my sponsors individually, and at the end of the day, all 21 of them stayed on board. In this really tough time for her, what Amelia finds is that actually there is a lot of support. She has a lot of support from the people that love her and are behind her. So I called up my one of my longtime mentors and it goes, on the day that you were born, 31 years ago, did the FAA walk into that delivery room and go, oh, cute baby, you named it Amelia Earhart? Cool, here's her pilot's license. Here's her private, here's her instrument, here's her commercial rating, here's her checkout in a Pilatus PC-12, and here's $2 million to fly around the world someday when you realize that that's what everybody thinks you're supposed to do. And I said, no, of course they didn't do that. And he goes, that's right, you did that. At the end of the day, you're the one. This was all you. You may have had the name Amelia Earhart, and that may play some role in this, but at the end of the day, everything you've got, you did. So I left. I flew a plane 28,000 miles over 18 days through 14 countries. I flew through, 
I flew over the equator six separate times. I saw the Southern Cross flying at 27,000 feet over the Indian Ocean as I was landing the plane in the Maldives. And now that I've done it, like the, the, the beauty that the world is capable of holding is so far removed from anything that I had perceived before. Like colors, I like to call them my impossible colors. Colors that I didn't even know exist came alive during that flight. Looking at horizons from 27,000 feet at sunrise and sunset over Kilimanjaro and knowing that Amelia saw that and I'm sitting up there flying this beautiful plane going, I am doing it. It's an active verb. <laughs> she finds herself where the last known point in time and space where Amelia Earhart was known to be. And I remember thinking, like, Amelia's down there somewhere. And, and finally, it was like, yeah, I am ready to go. And it wasn't go from that spot. It was, it's time to, to let go of being... Amelia Earhart and become this Amelia Earhart. And for the first time ever, I heard my name as my own. So we're getting close. Luckily, there's a little bit of a tailwind, which is like my favorite metaphor, of course, you know? helping us back, keeping us conservative. And I look back, I look over and the first thing that I see, I can see the land and then I can see the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm. It's this big, beautiful pronouncement of, yes, you are here. As Amelia is flying into Oakland, air traffic control is actually holding all the other planes in the air to let her land. They cleared out the air traffic. They're all one by one saying, welcome home, Amelia. We're proud of you. You know, that's the, there were airliners across, like people, pilots on Alaska Airlines. Amelia, we're following your flight. And I can see this massive crowd of people. I mean, like, like 300 people probably. And I just start shaking, you know, and you're, you've got to do all these checks and all these things to make sure the plane is in the right configuration. You've got to be at the right airspeed. Plus there's a lot of pressure because CNN is there filming. And what if I like have a hard landing or something, you know, because I'm so shaky. And... I come in for probably the smoothest landing of my entire flying career, thank goodness. And I open the door and uh, my mom, I'll never forget, she just comes running up to me. Like she, was, she looked just beautiful and she had flowers for me. And, and then something profound happens. I see this man who had been standing next to my dad and he's in his late 80s, early 90s. And he's in his full military uniform, very pale skin, these really, really bright blue eyes. And on the day that I left on my flight around the world, he had walked up to me as we're trying to leave and everything's busy. This is 18 days previous. And this man comes up to her and just hands her a badge. He goes, I made these patches. I need you to carry one around the world. I'm going to keep the other one. And when you get back, we're going to switch. So I was like, sure, no problem. And I give him a hug and I grab the patch and I get in the plane and I fly around the globe. Didn't think about it once. When I come back home, I walk over to him, and his name was Captain Tenderello. And I said, Captain, I said, we made a deal. 
and he finally shares with her the significance of the exchange of the badge right as she left for her journey around the world. He goes, Amelia, what I didn't tell you 18 days ago is that in 1937, I was a very, very little boy who was obsessed with airplanes. And I stood in this exact same location as a little boy, and I watched the first Amelia Earhart take off on her flight around the world. And he looked at me and he says, I have been waiting 77 years to see her come home, and you just brought her back to me. Thanks to Steno for being a Woman Who Startup Radio sponsor. I'm Lindsay Strickler. And I'm Rex Roberts. And we are co-owners of Steno. We were approached by an investor about a year ago about possibly finding a space of our own to tailor towards a little bit of a different type of startup and mentality. It's a different take on the Denver lifestyle. And we wanted to create a space that was suitable for that. There's not a whole lot of stop and chit chat for more than five minutes. It's like, no, we're here to get work done. Steno is a place of peace and I can get away and I know that I can... Thanks to Steno for being a Woman Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more at stenodenver.com. 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 The Fly With Amelia Foundation is a Colorado-based nonprofit that I started in 2013. And I like to think of it as small but very mighty. The Fly With Amelia Foundation gives scholarships to girls between the ages of 16 and 18 to pay for their first round of pilot lessons. It's not a $1,500 scholarship towards flying where you can get through a few lessons and like you get interested in flying. It's a $7,500 scholarship where the girls, they're age 16 to 18, and they've got a year to get their pilot's license. And it's something to be really proud of. The girls who are crushing it and finishing, I'm like... You are, I'm, I'm so proud of you because I barely did it. Amelia started the Fly with Amelia Foundation because she knows firsthand the importance of teaching girls about aviation and letting them know that it's a viable option for a potential career or a hobby. Oh, I don't know, 4% of pilots are women. So no, you're not gonna see the percentages change. But if you meet those girls, you know that their lives are forever changed. And that's what the flight around the world was about. It was about creating a positive, adventurous, true aviation story. It was about flying an airplane because you love it and because you've put the work in and showing those girls out there that there are still adventures to be had. Opportunity happens when you say yes to everything. You get to be whoever you want to be. And I mean that on a daily basis. You know, Screw this idea that you've got to pick one career and go with it or commit to one cause or one goal and, and do it your whole life. Amelia reminds me that there's a lot of ways to be an entrepreneur. You know, she has a real job and yet also has a very entrepreneurial like life and has done things really out on her own. And, and isn't, that, isn't that what it's all about? Nine News is a platform for her to engage and have fun and have a great career. The rest of her day, she utilizes to build the Fly with Amelia Foundation, and she gets to balance the two, which not a lot of us have figured out to do. So like, mucho fucking kudos for her. Thanks so much for listening to Women Who Startup Radio. We'd like to thank our team, 
Our sponsors, P2B Investor and Steno Coworking Space, our producer, Aaron Bassidy, and our engineer and co-producer, Allison Wrights. At Women Who Start Up Radio, we're writing women back into history by telling the stories of innovative, adventurous female entrepreneurs. It's time to put on those boots and keep climbing. Keep climbing to me means making your runway longer and longer and longer. The most accessible airports have the longest runways. The longer your runway is, the more you can invite in and the bigger airplane that you can fly out of that runway. I'm all about building my own runway. And that runway was built on three things. It was built on a strong character, being willing to figure out who I was in the process. It's built on a purpose much, much, much bigger than just myself, and that's sharing it with others. And it's really just also built on integrity, because if you don't have that, no one's gonna wanna fly with you. <laughs> You can subscribe to Women Who Start Up Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. We love to hear your feedback and your stories. Rate us on iTunes and let us know what you think on Twitter at, at WW Startup Radio. <laughs>